0: Um, It's good to be here. I'm glad everybody can make it here safely. And uh, we'll just take a few minutes right off the top and we'll just uh, recap last week's sermon, just in case someone missed. If he wasn't here, we can all start off on the same. Um, Last week's sermon was entitled, um, Expecting God to Change Your Mind, Your Will, and Your Emotions. And the main idea of that was sanctification. Sanctification is a lifelong process of God setting you apart. And it's a lifelong process of exchanging your will for His will. Your mind for his mind and your emotions for his emotions. It's a lifelong exchange that we do with God. And point number one was expecting God to change your will. We talked about how God's will for your life is far better than the will that you have for your own life. Um, We talked about how in my life, whenever I lost my job, I wanted to find an immediate job. That was my will. But God's will was to take me on like a 12-month journey of growth. It was excruciating. I didn't want to do it. But it happened, and now looking back, I can see that God's will for my life was much better than my will, okay? We talked about that, and point number two was expecting God to change your mind. We looked at Romans 12, which states that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind and not conform to the world. And we talked about how important it is to not have you know such a closed mind to the things that God wants to show us. We don't want to be too... Uh, rock hard and set in our ways that we don't allow God to transform us and to change how we think. And I talked about how God changed my mind about addicts. Before I would look at an addict and think that they're just not good people, that they chose the lifestyle, that they're living this lifestyle uh, on their own and this is what they wanted to do. But God changed me into thinking, you know, now these people are just people. They're people who mess up. They're people who need love. They're people who need encouragement. People who uh, need prayer, who need someone to come alongside them and tell them that, hey, someone cares about you still. Someone actually wants you to do well in life. So they're just people. God changed my mind in that. Point number three was expecting God to change your emotions. And we discussed the promise of God giving us a new heart, like you he talked about in Ezekiel. And we talked about how important it is to have a tender, responsive heart, a heart that will um, listen to God, a heart that will respond when God speaks to it and so it's important for us to have a responsive tender heart and this week we'll focus on expecting to mess things up expecting to mess things up why should we mess why do we mess things up why must we continuously deal with our shortcomings Uh, will we ever get to a place in our Christianity where we don't have to worry about messing up does anybody ever wonder that? Like, you know, I'm a Christian now, but I keep doing these same old sins. What, what, what's wrong with me? Why do I keep doing that? Will I ever get to a place where that don't happen? Um, and those are some things that we'll talk about today. So let's look at our theme verse for this series. If you guys want to stand for the reading. I know you guys have stood a lot. I'm sorry. but <laughs> What is this, Catholic Church? So we'll get uh, standing up here. And here's the, the verse. It says, Ezekiel. 36, 26 and 27. It says this, "And I will give you a new heart. I will put a spirit a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations." Let's pray. God help us to understand why we mess up. God, help us to understand why we fall short, why we struggle so much to do the things that we know we should do. Help us to understand your word and hear an individual, unique message from your spirit out of this sermon today, God. Speak to us individually. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Amen. You guys can sit. How many of us made New Year's resolutions? Anybody? I know New Year's resolutions are not as prominent as they used to be. Uh, People used to make a lot of New Year's resolutions. Sometimes we just make one, you know, joking around or whatever. Um, Does anybody still doing a New Year's resolution in here? Anybody still got one going? Uh, Pap, you still got yours going? Good for you. Um, They say by January 15th, and it's January 13th now, they say by January 15th, like 67% of people have messed up their New Year's resolution. And then by February, 80% have failed and have just gave up altogether on their (laughs) New Year's resolution. And that leads me into today's sermon, which talks about why we mess up, how we mess up, and it happens so quick, and it happens so often. And point number one is, guess what? I messed up again, (laughs) I messed up again. I wanna take you to a couple of well-known stories in the Bible, Um, the story where Peter denies Jesus which a lot of people have heard that story, and then also the parable of the prodigal son. And from those two stories, I hope that I can maybe illuminate, maybe draw out some points that, that show you why we mess up, what we should do when we mess up, and things like that. And just help us understand why we continuously need God to renew our hearts and renew our minds. Um, and the first one is Peter in denial. And this out of Matthew 26, 33 and 35. And what's happening here is Jesus is looking around at all his disciples, and he's saying that you're going to desert me. At some point, you're going to desert me, and you know, we are going to leave me, whatever. And Peter has an anger issue. If you don't know, Peter, he wrote a a couple of books of the New Testament. He was a, a loved disciple of Jesus, but he had anger issues. Does anybody in here have anger issues? Problem with your attitude. Some attitude problems? Yeah, a little bit. So we have anger issues. Peter's one of these people, okay? So he... I can imagine is already red in the face. He's ready he's ready to defend himself here cuz Jesus just said he's going to, you know, deny him or whatever. And Peter declares, "Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you." And Jesus replied, "I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny 3 times that you even know me." No, Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. That's a big, bold statement. And all the other disciples bowed the same. Now, there are two types of denial happening in this phrase, in these two verses. There's two types of denial. The one that is just blatant, and we see it, is in writing. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to desert you. Even if it means death, I'm not going to deny you. That's not going to happen. And then he's talking about, uh, and then the other form of denial is the inner denial, the denial that says, um, "I'm not going to mess up," the denial that says, "You know, I've followed Jesus around for three years. I followed God around." I'm that close to him all the time. I know what he's teaching. I've seen him heal. He saved me out of a boat just fishing. Now he's taught me to fish for men. He's gave me all these different uh, principles to live by, these different things. I'm not going to deny him. I'm too far advanced. I'm too far ahead. It's not going to happen. You don't got to worry about that, Jesus. I'll die with you before I deny you. And so this is a different type of denial. It's a, this will never happen to me type of mentality and Peter stands before Jesus knowing full well that Jesus knows everything that he understands that he was there in the beginning with God you know Jesus he, he was the word and the word was with God and he was there in the beginning and and so he created us he knows us he knows what we're going to say before we say it but yet he still looks Jesus in the face and says you're wrong I'm not going to deny you that will never happen I choose death first so there's that type of denial. How many times in our lives do we become too prideful? How many times do we get too boastful, too arrogant? We get to places where we not only become complacent in our Christianity, but we, become, we start to think that we're a little bit invincible in our faith. We start to think that nothing can knock us off. Nothing's going to mess me up now. I've defeated this sin, and I'm past it. I don't have to worry about it anymore. That was in the past, the past of the past, I'm leaving that back there, and now we're moving forward, right? So, Peter is in denial, sometimes we get in denial as well. Peter becomes prideful, he becomes arrogant, and he's feeling these senses of, of this boastfulness. And in Proverbs 16, 18, it says this, Pride goes before destruction, and haughtiness before a fall. And haughtiness means arrogance. So pride before destruction and arrogance before a fall. So when we become prideful, when we become arrogant, you're setting yourself up for disaster. When you start to think that this can't happen to me, you set yourself up for disaster. Peter becomes prideful. He becomes arrogant in his faith. And the rest of the story goes like this. It says, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. I don't know him. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Peter, and he said, Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me and he went away weeping bitterly. Pride can get you into major trouble, and in so many ways in your life. Arrogance, thinking that nothing can bother you. You know, we think, oh, it's just a harmless office flirt, a little harmless on-the-job-site flirt. It's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect our relationship. We have a strong relationship. Nothing's going to affect that. You're kidding yourself. We think we can tell those types of jokes because, yeah, it's not really hurting anybody. It's not really affecting anyone. You know, it's just got a little couple things that I probably shouldn't say, but it's just a joke. You know, it's no big deal. We think that we can we can tell little white lies here and there. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want. I just don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't. If I told them the truth, it would just hurt them, and it's better if I told them this. <laughs> Actually, just last Sunday um bonnie uh pastor ben's mom cooked an amazing daniel fast meal for everybody after church and we went out there and pigged out man she had all the goods all you know the fried potatoes i mean it was really good i really enjoyed a lot of the food and i was eating around everything and she made this uh cornmeal bread thing and um and i wasn't a big fan of it you know but and so I, did, I just ate around it. I didn't say anything. I, I tried a bite of it, and I wasn't a big fan. So I just ate around it, right? And then Pastor Ben comes by, <laughs> I'm sitting there with my bread on the plate. He goes, well, what's wrong? You didn't like that? And I was like, uh, no, I didn't really care for it. You know, kind of talking a little bit lower. And then he tells on me. <laughs> yeah. So now I get to choose, do I say, no, 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 it was okay, it was good, I like it. Or do I say, no, Bonnie, I really didn't enjoy it that much. <laughs> I had to make this decision in this moment. And I was like, man, you know, everything I've ate of Bonnie's has been pretty good over the years. I mean, it's I, I like it. And this is like the one time where I'm just like, I don't like this, <laughs> like, at all. And now I'm getting told on, all right? So there was a moment there where I thought, a little white lie is not going to hurt, right? A little white lie, a little this, this, you know, but I had to end up telling her the truth. And Bonnie, I loved everything else. Everything else was delicious. I just didn't like that bread. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but she's an amazing cook. That doesn't take away from that. I promise you that. But we think that those types of things won't affect us. Because what if I did tell the little white lie there? You know, what would have happened moving forward? Would I have told another one later? Would I have compromised what I truly believe in a little later down the road? Would it have led to something else? Am I giving a foothold to the devil when I shouldn't be doing that? What what, what kind of things come from those types of things? And and I don't want to be that type of person. And we're kidding ourselves if we think that we can handle it, if we think that we're too far advanced, if we think that that won't ever happen to us. We are absolutely kidding ourselves if we don't think that Satan can come and get us where we're at. Because guess what? We're not as strong as what we like to think we are. We're not as bold and as brave and as courageous as what we would like to think. You know, we need Jesus daily. We need to rely on him daily. In the story of the prodigal son, we see similar characteristics as in Peter, and I'll read that to you. What's happening so far is there's this man, he has two sons, okay? He has two sons, and they want, well, one of them, his youngest, wants their inheritance now. He don't want to wait. He doesn't want to wait till dad passes away. He wants the money now, right? Like me, I like having things right now. I don't want to wait for it. I want my stuff now when I can get it. But he wants it now, so he tells his dad this, and his dad agrees. He splits up everything, halves it up, gives the inheritance to the younger son. The younger son immediately packs his bags, heads to the city, starts living wild, man. Starts doing all the cool stuff that you see on TV, I guess, right? The, the crazy stuff. And he starts living this way. He's just doing these things. He's having fun, living life. And he spends all of his money. He goes through everything he has. And now he's broke. And so here we pick up, and he has persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs Look good to him, the pig slop. Everybody, anybody ever see pig slop in their life? I'm telling you, it doesn't look that appealing. But he's so hungry and he hasn't ate in so long that this starts to look good. He starts to end the life of a pig. He said, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. And when he finally came to his senses, and I'll squirrel that phrase away, he came to his senses... And he realized what he had done. He said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my father I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off on the horizon, his father sees him, and he was filled with such love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him, he said, to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father, he didn't want to hear none of that. He said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the fatted calf that we've been fattening up. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. And then the brother, the older brother, he gets upset. He gets angry. He's not, he's not excited about this at all because he had stayed behind. He'd done what he was supposed to be doing the whole time. He didn't blow through his inheritance. He still stayed, helped with the farm. He's still done all this. and He never got the robe. He never got all this, so he's upset. But the father says to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has came back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. We see flashes of arrogance. We see flashes of pride, of denial. We see boastfulness. We see carelessness. We see uh, complacency out of the prodigal son as well. We see all these different symptoms happening in his life as we've seen in Peter's life before he fell. Yeah, I love running, man. I started running about four years ago, and I, I just, I really enjoy it, you know. I like, I like the way it makes me feel. I like that I can breathe really well. I like that I can get out and play with my nephews and nieces, and I'm not like, <gasps> like <laughs> I just like to be able to breathe, and it feels good just to just to get out and run and just forget that the world exists. I love it but I'm also fat, <laughs> so, so I always feel like I have to give like a disclaimer to people whenever I tell them that, hey, I love running, because they always give me a look like, yeah, right. <laughs> the only thing you've ever ran for is like an ice cream truck or something, <laughs> right? Like, I, I know better, you're, you're, not, you're not a runner. So I always feel like I have to say, but you know, I know I don't look like a runner, but I promise I can run for pretty long distances without stopping, and there are days where I wake up Like Friday, I woke up Friday, and, man, I felt good because Monday, Wednesday, I work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I run. And, And those days, Monday and Wednesday, man, I burnt it up. I was just I was running. I ran three miles on Monday. I ran three miles on Wednesday without stopping, and I was just feeling good. Friday, I was ready to get up and go even longer, go faster, go harder. I was ready. My legs felt good. I had gotten adequate sleep. I felt great. So all day long, I'm excited. I'm actually counting down the moments to get to go. And that hardly ever happens. I'm not that excited about running. I'm not so excited where I'm like, hey, I can't wait, you know. But I was actually counting down. I was like, today's going to be the day. I'm going to run longer than I've ever ran before. And I was just I was building myself up. I ate the proper foods I needed to eat to give me energy and strength. And I did all these things that were right. And I get to the gym. I get on the treadmill. And I'm like, I'm bumping this thing up today. I'm going to go at least 0.3 higher than what I've been going. You know point, And 0.3 don't seem like a whole lot, but when you're already almost at your max and you do an extra 0.3, it, it kind of is a big deal. <laughs> it kind of is. And so I get going, man. I'm feeling good. I get to about minute 10 of running, and I'm like, I, I can't breathe. <laughs> like, I can't. Something's happening in my side. You ever get a side stitch? I hate those things. And typically, I've learned over you know, running for years, I've learned that how to breathe a certain way where those go away while I'm running, where I don't have to stop. I can just breathe through it. It's like a, maybe like a, a, a labor pain, maybe. You think that's probably similar? You think it, you, th- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe it's not like that, but I do lamas while I'm running is what I'm trying to say, like, <laughs> you know, all this different stuff, and I feel okay. I feel all right, but I get to minute 10, and I realize if I don't change something soon, I'm not making it to minute 35. I'm not gonna make it to minute 40. If I don't stop now at 10, if I don't make changes at 10, and I start seeing these signs, these things that are showing me and teaching me that, hey, Dusty, pace yourself, or you're not gonna make it. Luckily, I came to my senses at minute 10, and, and did. I made some, I made some changes. And that leads me to my last final point. What do we do when we've messed up again? What do we do? Something that we always have to do, and there's always this moment after you mess up. And if, if you've been a Christian very long, or, or even if you're not a Christian here today, and you've just been here, and you've tried to do something, but you messed it up, there's always that moment where you go, and you come to your senses. And for Peter, it was the moment when the rooster crows, remember? The rooster crows, and immediately Peter snaps back. He snaps back into his mind, and he thinks, Man, I messed up. I did something wrong. There's always a moment where we come to our senses. For me, it was minute ten, where I realized I couldn't breathe, and I wasn't going to be able to make it. And for the prodigal son, it was being broke, lonely, he was homeless, starving, ending the life of pigs and of servants. And so this is the moment where it flashes for him. I've messed up. I need to do something to get back. We have to repent. There's moments of of coming to your senses, and then there has to be a moment of repentance. The prodigal son returns home. He realizes that he had messed up, and he doesn't waste time. In the Bible, it doesn't say that he waited for three days. It doesn't say that he spent the night. It says that he decided he was going home, and then he decides what he's going to say, and then he goes home. And then when he gets home, he did what he was going to say, and he went home. That's just what it was. You make a decision, and you do it. You don't wait around. And he tells his father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Be genuine. Be genuine in this moment. I sit in my office all the time, and I sit across from people who are crying, and they tell me that I'm so sorry, I've messed up again, I don't want to do this, I can't live this life anymore, I don't want to be in this situation, I have to change, this is the, this is the time, I'm, I'm doing it this time, this is going to be my moment, and there's tears, and I feel I'm happy for them, and I'm excited, right. and I'm encouraging, and I'm telling them that someone cares about them, and I'm giving them hope, and I'm, and I'm just building them up. And then I'll go home and i come back for the next shift and the nurses tell me, oh, they left against medical advice. They left to go get high. And my heart breaks, man, because these people, they don't want to live this, but they have to do it. They They have to get well. But what I've realized is that you can be crying, you can be sorry, but you can still be lying. To yourself. You can still not be genuinely remorseful and be genuine in a moment of repentance. There's a difference in between being sorry and being repentful. There's a big difference. And guess what? Jesus knows the difference. He knows if you're just saying it to be saying it, and he knows if you're being real. He knows if you're being honest with yourself. Did you mess up? How'd you mess up? Let's talk about it. Be genuine. Make adjustments make adjustments. Peter realizes what he has done. He weeps bitterly. Feels, he feels it. He comes back to Jesus immediately, you know, and he allows himself to feel emotions. You know, we have to be able to get to a point where we feel our emotions. The only way to get through an emotion or get over an emotion is to go through that emotion. The only way, and someone needs to hear that, the only way that you can get through your sadness is to feel your sadness and then find the issue, okay? Don't try to bury your sadness. Don't try to bury your anxiety. Don't try to bury your anger. It always comes out in different forms. It may not come out in anger and rage, but it's going to come out in your health. You're going to see signs of, of just all kinds of different symptoms that will come from you trying to bury your emotions instead of feeling your emotions. You know, that's something that I had to learn over the past couple years is because I don't know what happened. Maybe I'm getting older. I'm starting to get more anxious in my life. I'm starting to deal with a little bit of anxiety. I know that my parent, uh, my mom, she is extremely nervous. She has big nerve issues. I don't know if I'm starting to exemplify some of those things. I don't know. But I've started to realize that I'll I'll just be standing, and I'll just start to feel so anxious and so, like, weird. I don't even know how to describe it. And I used to, I would just ignore it and, and, and just whatever and just go on with my life and not deal with any of it. And those things would start coming out and I would be angry, I would be mean, I would I have outbursts, I would say things to Alby that I probably shouldn't say. I'd be, but now I've gotten to a place to where as soon as I feel that feeling, that uncomfortableness, that weird anxiety, that weird emotion that I'm afraid of, instead of burying it, I meet it head on. I've started getting to a place to where I say, why am I feeling this way? What could possibly in my life right now be making me feel anxious? What could be making me feel sad? What could be making me feel angry? And then I meet that problem head on. And that is the only way that I've been able to get through an emotion, is to go through it myself, feel it. Peter allows himself to cry, to weep bitterly. He feels the weight of his sin. Church, it's so important that we don't bury and just play off the weight of sin. It's important to feel it in the moment. Don't let it hold on to you and take a hold of you and bring you down, but feel it in that moment. Feel that sin, and then repent and let it go. Don't hold on. Repent, let it go. Peter allows himself to do that. I had to make adjustments myself. For me, here's what I did to get through my, my run. I had to slow my pace. I decreased my incline. I moved back down to a more comfortable, I think it was like uh, 5.1 or something. I don't know if you guys are familiar with a treadmill, but that was where I was more comfortable. I started running, and I made small goals, little goals. Hey, give me five more minutes, and you can quit. Five minutes, you can quit. And then I get that five minutes in. I start feeling a little better. I'm like, give me another five. You know, and I start breathing better. I start doing things that are necessary to continue my run, not just to run and run, run, run and stop. I want to go long distance. I want to be an endurance runner. I want to go for three miles without stopping. I want to go for four miles without stopping. I just want to be able to run and run and run and not worry about anything else. I had to make changes. I had to make things happen in my life so that I could keep moving forward. Peter had to make changes in his life so he could move forward. The prodigal son had to make changes in his life so that he can keep moving forward. We have to make adjustments. We have to realize we have to go through things so repent feel it understand it make adjustments begin to move toward God don't run away from him run to him he wants you back if everybody will stand just for my last point the last thing I absolutely want you to do and I want you to realize is that God has never given up on you you know you've messed up you've made mistakes in your life but guess what God still loves you. He He still cares about you. And more importantly, He absolutely still can use you. Don't ever get to a place to where you think to yourself, I've messed up. I've gone too far. God doesn't want me. He doesn't need me. He doesn't want to use me to help. He doesn't want to cause me to do anything. That's not true. That's a lie. And Psalms 103 says it so beautifully. It says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor will remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins, He does not deal with us harshly as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from the uh, far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. And this is so important, this, this phrase. He knows, he knows how weak we are. And guess what? He remembers that we are still just dust. He knows that we're weak. He knows that we are dust. He doesn't deal with us like he should. He doesn't, he doesn't blame us. He doesn't make us feel like we're dirt. That's not God doing that to you. That is Satan making you think that you are not worthy. That's Satan telling you that you are not able to keep working for God that you're not able to come back that's not God telling you that because God doesn't deal with us like he should he doesn't deal with us as harshly as what most people will say oh well God's going to smite you if you do that well that's not true God loves you he wants you to come back he wants to use you 50 days after Peter makes a mistake 50 days the Pentecost he preaches a sermon that saves 3,000 people 50 days after his mess up. You can mess up, repent, and still be used by God. Amen. So what is the cause of our mess ups? What causes us as people to go through these things where we continuously are messing up? And Jesus puts it this way in Mark seven twenty and 23. He says, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, Come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these vile things come from within. They are what defiles you. So the problem is what? It's our heart. We have a heart problem. And that's why our theme verse is what it is. And it says, I will give you a new heart. (laughs) Our heart is a problem? Well, guess what? I'm going to give you a new heart. Your heart causing you to sin? Guess what? I'll give you a new one. It's causing you to have sinful desires. It's causing you to have deceit and envy and anger. And it's causing you to have sexual immorality and and all these different symptoms of of sin. It's causing these things? I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you something that you can move forward with, something that is going to be tender and responsive to my voice, something that, something that will make you feel better, something that will make you feel good and, and, and right and righteous and stand before God and say, God, I'm yours. Use me as you want. Take me where you want to take me and just bless me like you want to bless me because I'm here, I'm yours. And that's what we need, church. We need new hearts we need to carry out that promise that he promises us in Ezekiel, that he's going to give us that new heart and put a new spirit inside of us. And that is so incredibly encouraging today because I keep messing up. Does anybody else do this with me? I keep messing up. I keep making mistakes on my own. I can't do this by myself. And if I, I begin to think that, if I begin to get to a place to where I am arrogant enough or, I, or I'm confident enough to where I think I can, guess what happens? mess up. Every single time it happens to me. So what is my problem? What do I need? I need a new heart. We need new hearts. So if everybody will bow their head and close their eyes. If you're in this room today and you realize that, hey, what Pastor Dusty's talking about today, I'm dealing with that right now. I'm going through that i i have that feeling in my heart i have i have those sinful desires i have the lustfulness i have the envy the anger the the issues that i'm going through i'm, I'm going through these different things i feel like you're talking to me if, if that's you today and you've messed up or maybe you're here today and you've never received the call of jesus maybe you've never reacted to it or you have never heard the gospel but but jesus came to save you and he loves you and he wants you in his family. If that's you today, go ahead and just raise your hand up high. And be bold about it, too. Just be bold. Lift it up high. Let people know around you that, hey, I don't care. I'm making a decision today. I thank you, Jesus, for those hands. Amen. I see those. Jesus sees those. He knows. Very good. If it was you, I want everybody to say this prayer. Heavenly Father, I've messed up again. I relied on myself and my own ways, forgive me and help me to move forward with you as my Lord and as my Savior. I vow today to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's just say this prayer together before we go. Give me a new heart. Take out my stony stubborn heart and give me a tender responsive heart father god thank you for these awesome people thank you for today thank you for safe travels we thank you for the fact that we can mess up god and that we still love us that you still care for us that you still have plans for our life father we just we love you so much and we ask that you continue to help us grow to sanctify us to change us god to to move us into a new year with with a purpose, God. We love you so much, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.